0: Well, hey, everybody, it's Adam Schell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. Now, over our last few episodes, we have been working our way through the book of Joshua together. And along the way, we have found the people of Israel facing some extraordinary circumstances, We've been with the people of Israel as they stood on one side of the Jordan River on the verge of crossing over into the Promised Land after they had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And then we talked about what it was like when they actually crossed over the Jordan River, when God stopped the Jordan River from flowing so they could enter into the Promised Land on dry ground. And then in our last episode, we talked about how God caused the walls of Jericho to fall just by having the people march around those walls and play instruments and make noise. But those are all extraordinary events. But most of life doesn't happen in those extraordinary moments. Most of life happens in the ordinary. So in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about how we can live out our faith on ordinary days. So let's get right into this episode's sermon. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house in the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who is with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This is the Christmas story. This is the story of God directly intervening in human history and taking on our flesh and bones. This is the story of God being born in an actual time, roughly 2,000 years ago, in an actual place, the city of Bethlehem, to actual parents, a young woman named Mary and her fiancé named Joseph, and dealing with actual problems that range from Rome's occupation of the country of Israel to to Mary and Joseph's inability to find an adequate place to welcome a child into this world. This is a story of God truly being one of us. This is an extraordinary story. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. This is the story of the resurrection. This is a story of God overcoming the worst that humanity has to offer rejection, betrayal, denial, isolation, torture, and death. This is the story of a real person who is both fully God and fully man, willingly enduring pain and suffering so that you and I don't have to deal with the pain and suffering of being separated from God. This is the story of God truly being for us. And this is an extraordinary story. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound from heaven that was like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house they were sitting in. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. This is the story of Pentecost, This is the story of the Holy Spirit coming down from the heavens like a fierce howling wind or a raging fire to rest on us, followers of Jesus. This is the story of the Holy Spirit overtaking the disciples, allowing them to speak in languages that they had never spoken before so that they could proclaim the good news of who Jesus is to people that they had never met before so that those people could know the deep love that God has for us all. This is a story of God truly being seen and known through us. And this is an extraordinary story. But today's not Christmas. Today's not Easter. Today's not Pentecost. Today is not one of those days that we mark on our calendars where we celebrate the birth of Christ or his resurrection or the coming of the Holy Spirit. So what is today? Well, today is February 23rd. And February 23rd is the day that Johann Gutenberg printed his first Bible in 1455. And February 23rd is the day that the Mexican army began their military siege on the Alamo in 1836. And February 23rd is the day that American Marines raised the flag on Iwo Jima in 1945. And although all of those are interesting historical facts, and they might even be events that are celebrated or commemorated in some parts of the world, these aren't exactly events that forever change the course of human history. So in the grand scheme of things, what is today? Well, today is an ordinary day. And ordinary days are, well, they're ordinary. They're not the kind of days that we circle on our calendars. They're not the kind of days that we find ourselves counting down to. They're not the kind of days where we go out and we buy fancy new dresses or nice new suits for. But as John Lennon famously put it in his song, Beautiful Boy, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. Ordinary days are the days when most of life happens. But ordinary days, they don't get very much of our attention. Extraordinary days are the days that get our attention. And let me just show you what I mean. What I'm going to do is I'm going to list off for you a few days. And I'm willing to bet that you already have some idea of what you're going to be doing on these days, even if they are months away from now, like Mother's Day. You know what you're going to do on Mother's Day. You're already making plans. You might be thinking about a gift that you need to buy, or a phone call that you need to make, or a trip that you're planning to take, but you have some idea of what you're going to do on Mother's Day, because Mother's Day is one of those extraordinary days for us. Or what about the 4th of July? You have an idea of what you're going to do on the 4th of July. Maybe you're going to go out and you're going to enjoy a family picnic, or you found the perfect spot where you can go and see some fireworks display, or you might just be thinking about what store sells earplugs so you can pick them up before everybody in your neighborhood starts shooting off their fireworks when it gets dark. But chances are that you have some idea of what you'll be doing on Independence Day because it's one of those extraordinary days. Or what about Halloween? What about Halloween? It's eight months from now, but you already have some idea of what you'll be doing on Halloween, whether it involves picking out a costume for your kid or getting candy that you can pass out around the neighborhood. Or how about Thanksgiving? You know what you're going to do on Thanksgiving. You may not know exactly whose house you're going to be going to or what food you need to prepare, but you have some idea of what you'll do on Thanksgiving. And how about Christmas? Christmas is the same way. You may not know exactly where you're going to celebrate Christmas, whose turn it is, and the rotation this year, but you have some idea of what you'll be doing because Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas are extraordinary days. Even though there are, they are all still months away, there's a good chance that you're already making some sort of plan to, ca- to celebrate these extraordinary days but what are you planning on doing next Thursday? Next Thursday's pretty ordinary, right? So you probably haven't thought ahead about what you're going to do on an ordinary Thursday night. That's not a bad thing. That's just how we as people seem to be programmed. We focus on the extraordinary, and the ordinary is an afterthought. So we're wired we focus in on the extraordinary and the ordinary is just an afterthought. And that's even true in the church. You know in our church we spend a lot of time thinking about the extraordinary times in our lives. We'll spend months planning out special events and activities that happen around Christmas time. And we will spend weeks trying to finalize every detail of the worship service that happens on Easter Sunday. And when Pentecost gets ready to roll around, we might even encourage you to dress in red to celebrate the receiving of the Holy Spirit on that day. But we don't spend a lot of time thinking about the ordinary. Now maybe that's because it's just easier to focus in on these monumental moments when God directly intervenes into a human history, into our world, and changes everything. Or maybe in church it's just easier to focus in on the extraordinary days because we know we can count on a bigger crowd showing up for our Sunday services around Christmas and Easter. But whatever the reason may be, we never really focus on the ordinary. Even right now. As a church, we've been focused on the extraordinary. Over the last three weeks, as we have worked our way through the book of Joshua together, we've been focused on where we're at as a church right now. We've been talking about how the stories from the book of Joshua, the people getting ready to enter the promised land and actually crossing the Jordan River and then seeing the walls of Jericho come tumbling down, we've been talking about how these stories apply to our church as we are moving closer to a closing date on the sale of our current property and toward our future, where we'll be worshiping together in a hotel's ballroom. And all of that is pretty extraordinary. All of that's extraordinary. Our church hasn't experienced anything like this in over 60 years. So we've been focused in on this extraordinary moment. But there's something wrong with never focusing on on the ordinary, because most of our faith isn't lived out on Christmas, or Easter, or Pentecost. Most of our time together as a church isn't lived out when we're trying to sell a building or find a new place to worship, even if it's felt that way around here for the last couple of years. The truth is, we live out our faith on ordinary days, more than the extraordinary We live out our faith on the ordinary days more than the extraordinary days. So it seems only right that we spend at least some time thinking about and talking about and even planning how we can live out our faith on those ordinary days. So how do we do that? How do we live out our faith on an ordinary day? Well, that's going to bring us back into the book of Joshua. And let me encourage you to go ahead and grab your Bible, whether you've got a printed one like mine or an app on your phone, and turn to Joshua chapter 24. Now, this is happening at the end of the book of Joshua, at the end of all of those extraordinary events and situations that the people of Israel have lived through. But Joshua is going to essentially wrap up this book with one great challenge for the people, to help them think about how they can live out their faith on an ordinary day. So let's stop for just a minute, and let's read Joshua chapter 24. We're going to start reading in verse 1. And Joshua, in these verses, he's going to help us relive some of those great moments that the people of Israel have lived through. So here's, here's what it, it is written. Then Joshua summoned all the people of Israel to Shechem, along with their elders, their leaders, their judges, and their officers. So they came, and they presented themselves to God. And Joshua said to the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped other gods there. But I, the Lord your God, took your ancestor Abraham from that land beyond the Euphrates, and I led him to the land of Canaan, the land that they're now standing in. And I gave him many descendants through his son Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the hill country of Seir, while Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. And then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I brought terrible plagues on Egypt, and afterwards I brought you out as a free people. But when your ancestors arrived at the Red Sea, the Egyptians chased after you with chariots and horses. And when you cried out to the Lord... I, the Lord, I put darkness between you and the Egyptians. I brought the sea crashing down on the Egyptians, drowning them. With your very own eyes, you saw what I did for you. Then you lived in the wilderness for many years. And finally, I brought you into the land that the Amorites on the east side of the Jordan. And they fought against you, but I gave you victory over them. And you took possession of their land. Then Balak, son of Zippor, king of... Moab started a war against Israel. He asked Balaam, son of Beor, to curse you, but I wouldn't listen to him. Instead, I made Balaam bless you, and so I rescued you from Balak. And when you crossed the Jordan River and you came to Jericho, the men of Jericho, they fought against you. There were also many others who fought, who fought you, including the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I gave you victory over them. And I sent hornets ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or your bows that brought that victory. I, the Lord, gave you land that you had not worked for. I gave you cities you did not build, the cities in which you are now living. I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. So honor the Lord. Serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. So in these first 14 verses in Joshua 24, Joshua has been reminding the people of Israel about some of the extraordinary things that God has done for them. He reminds them that their entire lineage started with a single man who made the decision to follow God as God led him to the land of Canaan. And God blessed this man, and he blessed his wife with a child, even though they were well past childbearing years when it happened. And then God uses Joshua to remind the people of Israel that God provided for them, for their people, during a time of famine in that land of Canaan by sending them down to Egypt. And then Joshua reminds them that God delivered them back from Egypt after Egypt's Pharaoh had enslaved them. And Joshua recalls all the extraordinary things that God did to free the people of Israel from their slavery, from the plagues that he sent to the parting of the Red Sea to their final arrival at the Promised Land. And then he reminds them of their conquest of the Promised Land when God gave them back the land that he had promised to their ancestors. So the people of Israel had followed God through some extraordinary times. But as we pick back up in Joshua 24, verse 15, we're going to see that that's not what matters to Joshua. Joshua isn't concerned with the fact that the people of Israel have followed God through some extraordinary times. I want you to listen to what he says in verse 15. Joshua 24, 15. This is what he says. He says, But if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors that they serve beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will now live? But as for me and my family we will serve the Lord. I want you to hear what Joshua said one more time. Let this sink in. It says, But if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, the Lord who has done all this other stuff on these extraordinary times for you, then choose today who you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, We will serve the Lord. To Joshua, in this passage, Israel's history with God doesn't really matter. What matters is their decision to follow God today. The whole history. Going back to the days of Abraham and Abraham's father to their first arrival in the land of Canaan to their time in Egypt to the time of their exodus and arriving in the promised land. All of those extraordinary moments aren't what matters. What matters is the decision to follow God today. Choose today whom you will serve. Why does Joshua tell the people of Israel this? Because Joshua knows. He knows the extraordinary things that God has done for the people of Israel. He's lived out so many of them himself. He knows God's past. He knows that the people of Israel have chosen to follow God going back to the days of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But Joshua also knows that none of that means a thing if they don't choose to follow God today. All of those extraordinary moments of faith don't mean a thing if we don't choose to follow God today on an ordinary, regular old day. And every day, every day you get to make it every day you get to make that choice you get to choose this day what you will do every day you make the choice you make the choice whether you'll follow god or not when you're sitting in traffic you make the choice whether you're going to follow god or not when you're checking out at Kroger, you make the choice whether you're going to follow god or not when you're sitting in your office you make the choice whether you're going to follow god or not when you're talking with your spouse or when you're playing with your kids or your grandkids You make the choice today whether you're going to follow God or not when somebody asks you for help. Or when you see somebody that's in need and could use a hand. You make the choice whether you're going to follow God or not dozens of times every single day without ever even thinking about the choice that you make. But if you really want to follow God in ordinary times, you have to choose to follow God this day. This day. You can't put it off till Easter rolls around in a few weeks or till Christmas comes at the end of the year. You can't put it off until it's more convenient or there's nothing else on your calendar that you need to keep up with. You have to choose to follow God this day. And you have to choose to follow God this day in the words that you speak and the words that you leave. Unspoken. You have to choose to follow God this day in the actions that you take and the things that you leave undone. You have to choose to follow God this day consciously and intentionally. But you have to choose. You have to choose. You have to choose whether you're willing to follow God on extraordinary days and on ordinary days too. So is your faith, are you strong enough to choose to follow God this day? Let's pray together. God, you know that many times in the life of the church that we focus in on extraordinary times. We think about what it means to follow you on certain milestone, big moments over the course of the year, Easter and Christmas. Or we focus in on how we can follow you through difficult circumstances that we may face after the loss of a loved one or going through difficult relationships at home. God, sometimes we forget that most of our faith isn't lived out in those extraordinary times. It's lived out on ordinary days. Ordinary days when we still have to choose if we will follow you. So God, my prayer for everyone who can hear my voice is that you let us be strong enough to choose to follow you this day. And every day. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again. And thanks for listening to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has helped you think about what it means for you to follow God every day. Because you can't put off following God until Easter comes or until Christmas is just around the corner. You have to choose this day, every day. To follow God. Now this ends our sermon series based on the book of Joshua. Next week we are starting into a brand new series of sermons as we start our journey together toward Easter Sunday. So over the next several weeks we are going to be exploring stories that take place during Holy Week. And Holy Week is just a term that we in the church use to describe the events that take place in the week leading up to Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. Now our next episode will drop next Sunday afternoon and if you subscribe to our podcast it will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And let me ask you to do me a favor. If you haven't done this already, I just want to encourage you to leave a review of this podcast wherever you're listening to it at. Your reviews mean a lot to us, and they can help spread the word about our messages to other people that need to hear them as well. Now, as always, I hope that you guys have a great week this week, and we will see you back here next Sunday for another sermon podcast.